At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sattenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. I want to take a look at the Major League Baseball board here for Tuesday. And we'll talk more about this about 15 minutes from now. Our very own Greg Peterson will join me here on The Look Ahead. Uh, we have a doubleheader. And you know I love doubleheaders. Great betting opportunities for doubleheaders. Mets and Braves uh, from City Field. Game one at uh, 3.10 Eastern time. And then game two is uh, set for 6.40 um, Eastern time. Which doesn't make sense. It should be. It's not going to start on time. But that's what I'm seeing here. 12.10 uh, Pacific and um, 3.40 Pacific. But anyway, that's what you got here. Uh, Game one is going to feature... As I don't even see any lines here up on uh, this one site. Let's see if we can get lines. The the what I have here on the schedule says Charlie Morton and Carlos Carrasco in game one, and then in game two, Kyle Wright against David Peterson. There have been four doubleheaders this season, and three of those doubleheaders have ended in sweeps. But what I can tell you is that, and I don't even see, well, there's not, the Mets are not even on the board right now, which is interesting. What I can tell you is that all four of those doubleheader game twos have gone under. And that's the way I would look to approach this. And it's kind of the same philosophy as getaway day, uh, but it's even more magnified. And I'd love to track down the history. I'd love to look at all, you know, doubleheaders last year. But it might be a little different because it was seven-inning doubleheaders last year. So I might have to go back through the years uh, and do the logging here. I mean, there was 33 doubleheaders in 2019. So maybe I can go back and check that out. But anyway, when it comes to game two, first off, you're doing something that you are not familiar with, right? Um, game ones, I mean, you're used to playing just one game a day. Last season, seven-inning doubleheaders. So when you played them, it was a little less baseball. Now you're back to doing a nine-inning doubleheader. But anyway, in a traditional setting, your schedule is just thrown off, right? You're getting to the ballpark much earlier than you would if it was just a, a normal night game. So already, your schedule's thrown off. You play a game. You go through your warm-ups. You play the entire game. Now, you got to go in the clubhouse. You get changed. You get some food. And now, you got to go back out there for another game. Warm up a little bit in between, but your whole routine is off. 
Baseball is such a game of routine and repetitiveness. These players are creatures of habit. And when you throw off the routines, it throws off the players. So you have the routines being thrown off. You have fatigue setting in. Now you combine this with just the way that these games are managed. Guys are going to get game twos off. Probably have a backup catcher playing in game two. Probably going to have a guy DHing in game two. You're going to have backup players playing in the game twos. And depending on the bullpen usage in game one, dictates the bullpen usage in game two. I just think that it all leads to unders in game twos of a doubleheader. So I'd be mindful of the totals for these games. Again, right now I looked and it's not on the board right now. Mets and Braves. So once we uh, see that, then we can dictate, look at the total for game two uh, for this doubleheader at City Field. You got the Padres and the Guardians, Mike Clevenger against uh, Zach Plezak. And Mike Clevenger had a really interesting, um, you know, uh, story here. He had a near-death experience. Um, he had a, uh, a almost a plane crash. It was a story that um, was in the San Diego Union-Tribune where he talked about the plane going down and uh, the oxygen masks coming out, and they were doing swirls. They tried to make an emergency landing. It's a really, really crazy story. Um, so, you know, Clevenger set to make his um, return here for the first time uh, after recovering from his second Tommy John surgery, and he's pitching against his former team in Cleveland. Um, but just a wild story for him and just everything, you know, that he's been dealing with personally and emotionally. And, you know, it's going to be an emotional moment for him, uh, especially pitching in Cleveland um, against the Guardians. So Padres right now minus 145, total of seven and a half. Diamondbacks take on the Marlins, uh, Humberto Castellanos, which is a funny name to uh, just say, against Trevor Rogers. Um, no line on that just yet. Let me double check. Uh, don't see anything out right now on that. Uh, they got the Rangers and the Phillies. Ranger Suarez, my dude. Uh, he's off to a 2-0 start, which makes me feel good, but my uh, Ranger Suarez uh, National League Cy Young ticket. Uh, I'm not going to rip it up just yet, but um, he's got to put up a little bit better numbers than what he's uh, had this season. Still, I think that they have the advantage here over Texas. Uh, Philly minus 160. I'll probably be looking to back Ranger Suarez in this one. Suarez in his last couple of games here um, against uh, Colorado, he allowed three runs on seven hits in six innings. Prior to that against Milwaukee, just one run on four hits in four and two-thirds. Against Miami, two runs on six hits in five innings. And uh, his first outing was the bad one. Three runs on five hits against the Mets. Uh, that was the game in which Alec Bohm made the three errors in that game. So 
Uh, Suarez looking to be a little bit better here uh, in this start against the Texas Rangers and the Phillies. This offense uh, goes up against John Gray, who um, uh, has not had a good start so far. Uh, Three runs allowed against Toronto. Four runs allowed against Seattle. Gave up two home runs to the Mariners in his last outing. So might be looking to back a little Ranger Suarez action here on Tuesday. Elsewhere, you got the Twins and the Orioles. They will resume their series. Joe Ryan, who has been bad. This kid has been a stud for the Minnesota Twins. And it's not just um, his regular numbers here. Uh, Joe Ryan, let's see, this season, he's off. He's 3-1 with a 1.17 ERA. Against Detroit, he struck out nine in seven scoreless innings. He only allowed one hit. Against KC, he only allowed two hits on no runs in six innings. Against Boston, one run on one hit. It was a home run in five innings. And against Seattle, his first start of the year, two runs uh, on a home run, two hits allowed in four innings. He's only allowed 10 hits in 23 innings. He has struck out 25 in those 23 innings. Joe Ryan, an early case right now for um, rookie of the year in the American League. Um what I mean, man, this this kid has been just just an absolute stud. And they go up against uh, Bruce Zimmerman, who also has had a really great start for the Baltimore Orioles. Zimmerman, uh, four and a third shutout innings against the Yankees his last time out. Uh, he had five shutout innings against the Yankees, a prior start. He went four shutout against Milwaukee. The only runs he allowed was in the game against the Angels, uh, two runs on a home run against the Angels in uh, six innings. So he has been tremendous for them this season. I mean, Orioles pitching has actually been pretty decent. There's a reason. It's not just about their offense kind of slumping a little bit as to why their unders have hit. It's also because their pitching has been very, very good. So uh, with Joe Ryan against Bruce Zimmerman, total of seven. And we're starting to see the market kind of catch up to the unders in Major League Baseball. We're seeing low numbers get posted here. I mean, I'd love for this number to be eight. But uh, it's at seven, so something that uh, you know you might want to consider when looking at these unders. Um, here's an interesting one here, and I'm kind of I'm kind of buying into it. Yankees have won ten straight games. They are underdogs on Tuesday in Toronto. Alec Manoa, Jamison Tyone, Blue Jays minus one thirty-five. I kind of like it, if I'm being honest. At what point, you know, the Yankees are not going to not going to win forever, um, and Manoa's definitely been a stud, and he is a Cy Young candidate right now in the American League. Four and zero with the one four four ERA. I tend to think that this is the game in which the Yankees have this streak snapped. That's, I am leaning here towards uh, Alec Manoa and the Blue Jays. Uh, also, Angels, Noah Syndergaard takes the hill against Michael Waka and the Red Sox. Syndergaard's been great through his first two starts. Uh, I'm, I'm probably going to back Syndergaard on the road here. Angels minus 125. 
We'll talk more about the rest of this baseball schedule. Greg Peterson will join me. He hosts the baseball betting show available on vcin.com slash podcast. We'll get his thoughts on this board and which pitchers and he likes backing or fading here this season. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air. This is the look ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Answer the call of cash with DraftKings Connect Victory Challenge, sponsored by Verizon. Play for free in this nine-part prediction pool series and take your shot at grabbing a share of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Verizon now to join the action. Verizon, America's most reliable 5G network. Terms and conditions and other eligible restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VCN, the sports betting network. Joined now by Greg Peterson, our very own host of the Greg Peterson Experience, and oftentimes list caught here on the look ahead. Also, the baseball betting show, which is available vcin.com slash podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Greg, let's talk about this schedule here in Major League Baseball on Tuesday. We got a doubleheader between the Mets and the Braves, and uh, I talked about this last segment. Four doubleheaders this year. All four game twos have gone under. Now, we don't have any lines posted yet on this doubleheader because of the pitching unknown in game two here, but I'm going to go with an under in game two between the Mets and the Braves. It could be in game two, David Peterson against Kyle Wright, but do you agree with me that there's something to the second game of a doubleheader going under, whether it's the fatigue lineup changes what do you think about that i think a lot of this had to do with in the first month of the season you wound seeing the teams have a roster of 28 now you've seen the shrinkage to 26 so i think that how you want to be playing game two of double headers because as you mentioned right now there's no line on braves versus men so even if you really were jones to be able to bet this game right now you wouldn't be able to do so but the bullpen usage in game one, I think, is big. And because you wind up having those added arms, I think that it wound up giving you a whole lot of value with regards to those game two unders. Now that we're back down to 26, I could wind up seeing it revert a little bit more. I do think that fatigue does wind up playing a little bit of a role. But at the same time, I think a lot of why we wind up seeing a lot of those game twos wind up going under is that you just have more arms to pick from in general. Sure, absolutely, quite possibly. And uh, we're starting to see the books, speaking of these unders, adjust with the posted totals. I mean, we're seeing a lot more sevens on the board, Greg, as opposed to uh, what we saw early in the season. I mean, there was even six and a halfs we saw, and usually those are reserved for the top elite pitchers. So when do you think it's time to take advantage of the books maybe over-adjusting with these totals? I think it's right now, because even though the unders wind up going on Monday five and three, by the way, all three overs, came on six and a half. So mm. I think that that's something that you really want to be taking note of when you wind up just getting down too low. That it's not even funny, but we wind up seeing it on Sunday, 12 out of those 15 games did wind up going over the total. And now I think that you've really just went to a point of no return on these unders because I, when you wind up getting totals that are below seven, if both teams wind up getting to three, 
that automatically means that your total is going to go over unless if you have like a calamity where game is in like the 11th inning, you wind up having a washout and it winds up being like rescheduled or something like that. And then you just really are questioning your luck right there. But I do think that we've now hit a point in which we are going to be seeing more overs. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier with the rosters going back down to 26 fewer bullpen arms. Now that means that your starters are going to need to go a little bit longer. You're going to have to bring back guys out of the bullpen in back-to-back days as well. If you do wind up having a heavy bullpen usage day the day before. So I think now is when we're going to see more overs. The Giants and Dodgers, a total of six and a half gear for Tuesday night. Now it is Carlos Rodon, who's been fantastic to start the season against Julio Urias. But I think the number is too low, Greg. That being said, a surprising stat is that the best under team in Major League Baseball right now is actually the Los Angeles Dodgers at 14-6-1. And And I do think that a lot of it has to do with, yes, their pitching has been great, but also the numbers have been inflated because of how good their offense is projected to be. Now we have a total that is adjusted completely the opposite way, 6.5, would you go over in this matchup? Yep, I am going to be taking a look at an over. Heck, at seven, I'd be taking a look at an over. At seven and a half, that would start to be my buy point on an under. But even though Carlos Rodon has been absolutely amazing, and I mean, it really is the case. He's getting over 11 strikeouts for nine innings. He's posted up a sub 2-5 ERA. And you even take a look at what he did last year with the Chicago White Sox. As long as he was out there on the field, he was delivering. Well, Leo Rios is someone that... At home, he's actually a little bit worse than he is on the road. You go back to his home and road splits last season, he had about a half a point higher on his ERA when he was at home. He was the lone 20-game winner in baseball last season. 13 of those wins wound up coming on the road, which I find to be very intriguing. And this is a Dodgers team that you're able to go down the list. Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts. And Cody Bellinger is actually leading the team in home runs right now. list goes on and on of mashers and the San Francisco Giants since the beginning of last season. In terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis, they're in the top five in all of baseball. And in, in, and in road environments, they're in the top three as well. So this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at and over. I'm seeing a lot of books posting up between a plus 125 to a plus 130. And that would begin to be my buy point on the Giants as well. Can I, let's talk about your Brewers here for a second. Brandon Woodruff, Tyler Molly. I want no part of the Reds. I know you want, I know, I, Greg, I know, but <laughs> hear me out. Tyler Molly this year, if you just look at his advanced numbers, has been one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. He avoids barrels. He doesn't give up hard contact. And I think when you look at how bad the Reds are, when you look at Woodruff, and when you consider that Molly might actually miss some barrels under seven and a half, hear me out. What do you think? I don't think under seven and a half is necessarily the worst play in the world. And when it was Vladimir Gutierrez going on the mound, you cannot take that total under because we were seeing <laughs> Vladimir Gutierrez a little bit earlier. Seven and a half total, no thanks, I'm good. With Tyler Molly, you're able to make the case for it. And I was saying this on the podcast when we didn't know if it was going to be Tyler Molly or if it was going to be Vladimir Gutierrez. If you've got a seven and a half with Gutierrez, no shot that that stays under. With Tyler Molly, you're able to consider it at seven because I do think that there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment because as I mentioned, we were thinking it was going to be Vladimir Gutierrez getting the start. At seven, 
that's what I would take a look at and over in this spot. Seven and a half, it depends on the juice. If you've got like a minus 125 with regards to the juice, that's a little bit too much to lay here because you do have a Reds lineup that's terrible. But also after Molly, it is a really bad bullpen. So what about, a first, this, what about a first five under? I would take a look at that because with Tyler Molly, in terms of his road starts in 2021, mm-hmm. he gave up five home runs in right around 100 innings, and his ERA on the road was a 230. And the only reason why it wasn't sub two is because in his last start of the year against the Pirates, he wanted giving up like five or six runs. Yeah. So this guy on the road is actually very, very good. Problem is, he's surrounded by garbage right now. I mean, Jonathan India is right now on the injured list. Yeah. This is a team that they're not generating any runs. They've got nobody in the bullpen that can hold down any sort of a lead. If they were to, in some sort of fantasy world, wind up getting a lead, it's not good for the Reds right now. But with that said, Tyler Molly, respectable pitch. I think that's where I'm going to go because I don't think the Reds are going to score off of Woodruff. And I think at the worst, it's going to be a 3 nothing Brewers lead after five innings. You know, I don't think Molly's going to give up more than that. So I might go first five under here with those two teams. Uh, Blue Jays are favored over the Yankees, Greg, who have won 10 straight games. But it is Alec Manoa on the hill for Toronto. Are you going to back the Blue Jays as a favorite? Right now seeing a lot of minus 130s, and this would be about my max that I'd be willing to lay with the Blue Jays, but I'm willing to lay about a minus 130 because Alec Manoa in Toronto has been absolutely amazing. He's got, ever since they wanted going back to Toronto, a sub-2-5 ERA in Toronto. Meanwhile, if you take a look at James Satayon, his ERA was very nearly two points higher on the road than it was at home. And the Blue Jays had a good shot to be able to win it on Monday. They wound up grounding into three double plays. And the one thing that you do have to have caution with, this Yankees bullpen is amazing. They're yeah. in the top three in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA. Ever since we're all just chapman, ironically enough, wound up having those walks against the Blue Jays. He's been able to lock it down. They did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen arms, really both teams on Monday. But that said, I do take a look at this spot with the way that Alec Manoa has been rolling, the way that he has been so dominant in Toronto. I'm on to back them at right around minus 130. What about the Twins Orioles? Joe Ryan against Bruce Zimmerman. Ryan's been great. Zimmerman has been great as well. The total is seven in this one. I'm going to be taking a look at an over. I think that there's going to be some positive progression with the Baltimore Orioles lineup because, and they've got 11 home runs right now. To put that into perspective, Anthony Rizzo has nine all by himself. But you take a look at the Twins. They've really been the hottest offense in the big leagues over the last 10 games. They've scored at least five runs in seven out of their last nine games. So I'm targeting that. And you mentioned it with Joe Ryan. This guy has been an absolute stud in his nine starts and on the road, a sub two ERA for his career. I'm looking at the twins on the run line and I'm taking a look at an over. Yeah, I think I like twins on the run line in this one as well. Greg, appreciate the conversation. As always, we'll be listening to the podcast and uh, catching you on the Greg Peterson experience. Scott, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. There he is, Greg Peterson. Be sure to download the baseball betting show on vcin.com slash podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from and catch the Greg Peterson experience uh, weekends. And uh, oftentimes, Greg filling in for me here on The Look Ahead. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. The Kentucky Derby is Saturday. Wow, I can't believe it is uh, already here. And right now, VEASAN's offering you a special $9.99 Kentucky 
Derby betting guide with previews of all the horses and jockeys for every race, plus best bets for the entire weekend, including the run for the roses. Pre-order your copy now for only $9.99 at vcin.com slash derby guide. That's vcin.com slash derby guide. Well, that's going to be fun. Always fun. The most exciting two minutes in sports. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. The Stanley Cup playoffs began here on Monday evening. We had four games, and uh, well, home teams go two and two, overs go two and two, favorites go two and two. You see a trend here? <laughs> As. Uh, it was the first game, saw the Hurricanes defeat the Bruins 5-1. to one. Second game, Maple Leafs all over the Lightning, 5 nothing. The Blues shut out the Wild 4 nothing, And it was the Kings over the Oilers 4-3. Uh, you know, looking at the performances, not surprised really by anything here. I guess the Hurricanes won, I thought might have been... Um, you know, I, I thought the Hurricanes might have been at a little bit of a, a, not a disadvantage, but I thought without Frederick Anderson, maybe ripe for the picking. Um, but, you know, give credit to Auntie Ranta, former uh, Rangers backup, as he made 35 saves in this game. Meanwhile, Linus Olmark gets the start for Boston, and Look, he had a he had a nice season. But there's there could have been a real argument made that Jeremy Swayman was the goaltender to go to for the postseason. And Bruce Cassidy decides to go with Olmark. Olmark really gets lit up. You know, the four goals on 24 shots, but it was, you know, a really a bad second period. And they haven't announced a starter for game two yet. I don't think... Now, it's hard, okay? Because it's not just about giving your team the best chance to win. You also have to think about how the players handle this. If you bench Olmark and go to Swayman for game two, and let's say Swayman stinks it up. Can you go back to Olmark for game three? Like, what's Olmark's confidence like if he gets pulled here in game two? I almost think you have to go Olmark in game two and just ride with him. And then if you lose, you can come back and go Swayman in game three. Plus, you know, it's like you'll be at home anyway. So and what, what's the old cliche? A series doesn't begin until a home team loses a game. So as long as, you know, you you hold serve on home ice, you're going to give yourself a chance in the series. But that is definitely something to pay attention to, uh, what the Bruins decide to do moving forward for their game two. Maple Leafs just absolutely dominated the Lightning. Jack Campbell, 24 saves in the shutout. Um, Austin Matthews, what more can you say about this kid, right? The 60 goals in the regular season, two goals here in, in this performance. This, I don't want to jinx it, but this might be the year. Really. The, um, 
Toronto Maple Leafs uh, have not won a Stanley Cup since 1967. Is that right? Stanley Cup, 66-67. Last time they won the Stanley Cup. It's, I, I feel like it would be the biggest sporting championship celebration is if the Leafs ever won the Stanley Cup again. This this might be the year. This team is really, really good. Uh, and the Lightning are the two-time defending champs, and I thought with their pedigree that they'd put up a good fight. And we'll see when the series shifts back to uh, to Tampa, or, but let's see what happens here in Game 2. If it's 1-1 going to Tampa, well, then you give them a chance. Absolutely. But 0-2, completely different story. The Blues uh, get the best of uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. They win 4-0. Uh, Vinny Huso, 37 saves in the shutout win. And uh, they went on the road, and the Kings went on the road as well. Man, the Kings just, they, they were a team that played really well in the second half of the season, just propelled themselves into the playoffs. And then, you know, seeing the way that they played here in this game uh, really impressed me because the Oilers are good, and um, Kings got a real shot in this series. They absolutely got a real shot in this series. Here's what we got on Tuesday. You got the Rangers uh, at home against the Penguins. New York minus 130. I really like the Rangers in this spot. Um, The Penguins are going to be without their top goaltender, Tristan Jari. And I I just think that that's a huge advantage that the Rangers have is the Rangers goaltending with Igor Shesterkin as opposed to the Penguins goaltending without Jari. It's it's one of the biggest... um, biggest concerns for Pittsburgh here going into the uh, the playoffs is now Casey DeSmith is going to have to play in net. And DeSmith did well down the stretch. Look, 11-6-5 on the season with a 9-14 save percentage. Uh, last time we saw him was the April 29th against Columbus. He gave up three goals. In that game, uh, gave up four goals against Edmonton on the 26th, two goals against Detroit on the 23rd. Uh, but he had a 4 0 shutout of the Bruins on the 21st, faced the Rangers on March uh, 25th, and uh, only uh, came in relief and uh, only faced three shots, though. So nothing really there. Um, didn't face the Rangers any time before that. So that's a big concern. It's a big concern, and I think the Rangers, home ice, goaltending edge, power play edge, minus 130 is a good price. Uh, I'm firing on the Rangers to take game one of this series. Capitals and the Panthers, Florida is minus 230, which is just, uh, it's wild, but it's 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 rightfully, it's deserved. They're, they're so good. You can't bet against the Florida Panthers. They're, they're the best team in hockey. With all due respect to Colorado, uh, they are the the best team in hockey is the Florida Panthers. And, um, you know, Ovechkin coming back from his injury, you wonder how he is, how tentative he is. Um, so that's one that I don't know if I can back the Capitals. Not going to lay the minus 230, but Panthers uh, should win that game. Avalanche are minus 320. 
at home here against the Predators. Here's the thing about this matchup. The number's crazy. I don't want to lay 320. And I feel like getting a team in Nashville capable of winning. It's the playoffs. Um, Colorado, over the past several years, um, has had very, very good teams. Like, Stanley Cup caliber teams. And they finished with um, 82 points last season, shortened year. Um, They lose in the second round. They have not, this team lost going back to 2017-2018, right? Lost in the first round, lost in the second round, lost in the second round, lost in the second round. This has just been a stretch here, especially the past two seasons when they finished in second place and then they finished in first place with the best record last year in the league, President's Trophy winners. And now to finish in first place once again. The early playoff exits are absolutely weighing on this franchise. And I think that you will get one of the more inspired and aggressive performances from the Colorado Avalanche in this game one. Because of the need to make a statement, because of the need to avoid any type of early exit, I think this team is going to explode in this game one here against the Predators at home. I'd be looking at the Avalanche team total. I'd be looking at Avalanche on the puck line. This is going to be a blowout win for them. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Coming up next, we're going to talk more about the NBA playoffs, a little Major League Baseball. Andrew Cayley from Covers will join me right here on The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local teams, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of CityCasts designed to tackle sports betting from the local perspective. There are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, LA, New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local CityCast wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on VSIN. Joining us now from Covers is Andrew Cayley. Andrew, I want to start with the NBA playoffs, and let's go back to the Brooklyn, Boston Celtics, excuse me, uh, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks. Do you downgrade Boston after losing game one? How do you project now the rest of this series after that game one loss? Uh, I honestly wasn't that surprised, to be honest. Boston was getting a lot of love because of the way they played against the Nets, and deservedly so. They they took out two of the best players in the NBA, and KD and Kyrie Irving. But this Bucks team is for real. They're the defending NBA champions, and for my money, Giannis Antetokounmpo 
is the best player in the NBA. He's not going to win MVP this year, but without a doubt for my money, he is the most valuable player on a basketball court in the NBA right now. He does it all for them. Even without Middleton, you just show it just showed how effective he can be. Um, and, and he did it all. He, he had over 13 rebounds in that, in that game one, uh, had 12 assists. He, he's uh, with, as long as he's surrounded by some decent shooters, uh, which obviously is the case in Milwaukee right now that's going to be a really really tough team to to defend going forward and i and i do really like uh Giannis's assist props going forward because obviously jason tatum or jalen brown or whoever gets the the toughest assignment of trying to <laughs> slow Giannis down he's shown that he's willing to uh pass up that ball so i really like uh assist props for for Giannis going forward in this series but for when it comes to uh for the overall series i'm, I'm not too surprised uh, I, there's not a whole lot of value. I, if you want to bet the Bucks again, I would uh, I would wait till they lose. If the what Celtics... about what about them for the series? They're minus one thirty for the series, and that's not a lot of juice to lay for a team that already has a one zero lead. Uh, I would I would lean towards taking the Bucks at this point. They just they're they're so good, and they're so they're they're championship tested. And they've got this length that can actually match the Celtics' length. They're like, there, there are not many teams that can can be as long as the Celtics can. But the Bucks are actually even <laughs> longer and arguably more athletic. Uh, I, I'm with the Bucks minus minus one thirty three at that price. Going home, they've already got the split. They could go uh, get another one there tomorrow, and uh, it could be tough days for Boston going forward. The Warriors beat the Grizzlies and uh, do it while Draymond Green gets ejected in that game for the flagrant. Uh, was that a game where you felt kind of like maybe we felt in the first round where if the Mavericks were able to win without Luka, they'd, they'd go on to win this series? Was that a game that you felt the Grizzlies had to have with Draymond leaving early? 100%. It was uh, unfortunate, but maybe what we noticed there or found out there is that limiting the Draymond minutes there actually worked in that matchup because it just meant Jordan Poole was on on the floor more of the second half and he <laughs> absolutely eviscerated the Grizzlies in the second half it's it's a tough one for the Grizzlies obviously no Draymond in the game he's he's still despite that what I said there he's still a very high uh, basketball IQ guy and he is the number two guy running that offense he directs the defense and to lose that game without him there is tough, particularly when you consider the fact that Ja Morant <laughs> it went four for 11 from three. You lose a game where Ja goes four for 11 from three. It's it's not looking good in my books. That was as many threes as he had hit in the entire last series combined. Uh, so something I'm looking at there, too, is probably Ja to go under. You come back to the to the mean a little bit there in this game, and I'll take him under for his three points made prop. It's, even, it's only at one and a half, but I think he can still get it about minus 110, minus 115 or so. Taking a look ahead to the game twos that we will see coming up uh, tomorrow. Um, it's would you lean with the, the Warriors over the Grizzlies once again on the road? I I would. I just I like the way that the team is playing right now. This is a short enough number uh, that I'll take uh, the road favorite here. I know the Grizzlies played that game extremely well, but I think there's just too many weapons for the Warriors at this point. Clay, if he continues to play the way he's playing. Um, it, it allows them to rest Curry a little more too. And Jordan Poole is obviously the, the X factor here. Like nobody going into the season thought like he would be the next part of this, this Splash Brothers team. And it's been really impressive to watch. Like I said, just just too many weapons. And 
the biggest problem for the Grizzlies in my mind is if they're not getting out and running that mm-hmm. half court that half court offense can be a real problem. Obviously it worked a little better yesterday with with Ja hitting some of those threes, but that's just not their game. And uh, if they can't figure out how to work that half court offense a little better, I think they're I think the the Warriors are are the side to bet in that one. Let's talk Major League Baseball here. Uh, unders are still leading the way. It's not as drastic as it was to start the season, but are you still leaning towards unders in these games? Uh, not so much anymore because, like you said, books have made an adjustment, and it's an adjustment that is very shocking and apparent to people who have been betting baseball for the last 10 years or so, and that's just we're seeing totals get lower than we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, on Monday night, I saw a total of 6.5 for a game between the Marlins and the Diamondbacks. I know... I know it's uh, two solid pitchers in Gallon and uh, Lopez who took the mound, but the, though the six and a half was a number that was reserved when Degrom and Scherzer were pitching, and, <laughs> and usually in the same game, like this is that's a it's a quite a low number, and it's so obviously we've seen the the a bit of a start to return to that over because of those numbers. So you're gonna have to keep working as hard as you were before <laughs> when it came comes to betting those totals. But there's obviously obviously something's up with the ball the we're at like i think it is nine 0.9 run home runs per team per game right now in major league baseball which is the lowest since 2014 when it was 0.86 but like it's quite a drop off from the 1.22 last year and the 1.28 the year before 2019 it was the 139 so whether they'll say it or not uh something is different with those baseballs well, tomorrow we have a doubleheader in New York, the Mets and the Braves, and I believe, uh, as I've bet this every single time this season, every game two of a doubleheader so far has gone under. So I will be anxiously awaiting for the numbers to pop up where I will be on the under in game two between the Mets and the Braves. Oh, I like that one a lot. Who's? I know it's uh, Charlie Morton and Carlos Carrasco in game one. I, Kyle Wright and Mets are two BD, uh, TBD yep. for game two for yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But but I do like the idea because you know you you're not used to playing two in a year or in a game and in last year it was only two seven inning games when you did it so yeah. now it's it's back to the point where a lot of these guys they're tired after the first game uh they're you know kind of relaxed they're ready to go home maybe you have uh bench players playing backup catchers and whatnot so i think there's definitely offensive regression that comes in the second game of a doubleheader Particularly with the expand, you can also add to that too. We have we still have those expanded rosters uh, where I believe you can still have um, as many as fourteen pitchers. Yeah, a couple, eight, couple days left of that. Couple days left of it, so uh, let's take advantage of that while we can. And so that just means more more power. There's as many power arms as there's ever been in bullpens these days. And so that that would definitely I think the Mets will probably go with some sort of bullpen day esque type thing in that second game. So uh, it, you know, some people don't think that's a, that's an advantage anymore, but it, to them, they could just mean that's like five or six fresh arms are thrown out there in a row. Have you seen a team get off to a worse start than the Cincinnati Reds have this season? <laughs> no, I, I feel really bad for Joey Votto. He, he had some some good quotes the other day talking about how he's embarrassed and it's it's making him sick 
<laughs> and he's a competitor and it, it's tough it's tough for him to to see them lose all this much and well it's they've been very profitable if you've been fading them they're they're losing by multiple runs i believe in of their i believe it is 19 losses as of monday i think 17 of them have been yeah, by, by by two runs or more um tomorrow they play uh on tuesday they play uh, face brandon woodruff mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he is just this is not fair to a team that is one of the worst when it comes to facing right-handed pitching and now they have to face one of the best right-handed pitchers in baseball and uh i heard jonathan india is just heading to the ir as well yep it's just it's the season can't end fast enough in cincinnati unfortunately Andrew, we appreciate the time and the conversation. Enjoy uh, the rest of the playoffs here. We'll talk to you shortly. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. He's Andrew Kelly from Covers. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And, yeah, I'd be leaning. I already wrote it down. I I feel like the first five under could be a play there between the Reds and the Brewers. We'll see that that number uh, opens up at, I assume, it's three and a half. We'll take a look at that. And that could be the play. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead right here on v It's the Sports Betting Network. 